Well, tonight, uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Uh, you can uh, begin in Acts chapter 4, but we'll, we'll get there in just a second. I have, uh, those of you that know me know I have, I have two young, young kids, and I have a little two-year-old boy. And uh, sometimes your kids, I don't know if, if your kids are this way or your grandkids are this way, but they get kind of fixated on uh, cartoons, a certain cartoon, and so you watch a certain movie or show over and over and over and over and over again. And so a few weeks ago, my little boy got uh, really interested in the movie The Incredibles, right? And he's got a little Incredible pajamas, and he put them on and run around the house, and I'm Mr. Super Incredible, and, and those types of things. And if you know anything about the movie, it is a movie about a group of superheroes, right? It's this uh, Mr. Super Incredible, this man who is a superhero in his family, and they're out saving the world, as superheroes do. And the beginning of the movie sort of sets this up where they are saving the world, but in the process of saving the world, things get damaged and things get a little messy and certain people don't want to be saved and so the superheroes start getting sued. And so uh, the government steps in and says, listen, we can't be liable for what happens here anymore. We know that you have these incredible gifts, these incredible powers, but we're going to ask you not to use them anymore. You're going you're to have to just be a normal citizen. No more superhero activities. Be a normal citizen. And the, the main character, Mr. Incredible, struggles with this. Like he, his whole life has been wrapped around saving people, and he can't quite come to grips with a life where he's not running into burning buildings and pulling people out and those types of things. And so he and his buddy, other superhero buddies, they would get together at night and tell their wives they're going bowling, but they're sneaking out, listening to the police scanners and trying to sneak in and continue their work. And so you have this group of people with this incredible gift, this incredible power, and they've been told that they can't use it. And they're sort of struggling with that. And in, in the book of Acts, we see a very similar situation because in the book of Acts, the believers have been given a gift. They have been given the gift of salvation and they have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yet they run into trouble with the government with the authorities of the day, and they are told, hey, listen, keep that stuff to yourself. Like, you're not supposed to be uh, dragging that stuff out into the public. We, we don't want to deal with that. And much like Mr. Incredible in the movie, they say, hey, we, we, we can't help this. Like, this is who we are. This has to come out. And so if you got a Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4. This isn't going to be our main text, but we're going to read Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. And so uh, the, the disciples have been empowered by the Spirit, if you remember the story in Acts chapter 2. And then they've, they've begun preaching the gospel. And so they, they've had one of their, their first run-ins with the uh, leadership here and the governing authorities here in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. They call them in, them being the disciples, and they told them, don't speak any or teach any more at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you have to judge. But we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then in Acts chapter 5, if you, if you want to flip over a couple pages, in verse 27 through 29, again, again, they're in front of these authorities, and they tell them this, 
And when they had brought them in, them being the disciples, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. So we, we told you before, don't do this, and yet you're continuing to fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon this. But notice Peter's response. But Peter and the apostles answered, We've got to obey God rather than men. And so here you have these men empowered by the Spirit, and they're running into direct conflict with these governing authorities, and they're saying, listen, we, we can't help this. We have to speak of what Jesus has done. We have to obey God rather than men. So what, what is it that got them to the point where they are uh, in so much trouble? I mean, what did they, did they, they murder somebody? Did they, did they do something they weren't supposed to do? Did they break some crazy law? Well, no, if, if you back up into Acts chapter 3, and this is where we want to really focus, Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, we'll see the incident that sort of sparked most of their, their trouble here. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour, or, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asks to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So I want to give us a little bit of backstory and get, get into this text this evening so these early Christians, something is empowering them and pushing them forward and causing them to do things that they're running into conflict with the authorities and causing them to do things that prior to uh, we, the book of Acts, like they're not doing. As a matter of fact, this being uh, Passion Week, we remember and recall from the Gospels that Jesus is arrested and everyone runs. Like, like, like every, people deny him, they betray him, his disciples run from him, all except for, for John. Like, everybody is out. They are scared to death of what is going to happen. Even after his resurrection, you can sense in the beginning of the book of Acts, there's a little bit of kind of fear of what's going to happen, what are we going to do, what, what's going on. And so what, what happened that made these men act differently? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit of God comes upon them and baptizes them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And they speak in other tongues. And this is a, many a times our emphasis in Pentecostal churches, and rightly so, that when the Holy Spirit shows up and baptizes people in His presence, people speak in other tongues. That is, that is, a, that is a biblical truth. But I believe that there are also times where we sort of miss some other things that are going on there sometimes because we focus so much on, on tongues. Now, don't misunderstand me. Again, tongues are a biblical thing that God does and God moves when He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We do speak in tongues. But I, I fear, and, and I'm just, just reflecting the way that I grew up and was taught, is that many times, especially again the way that I grew up, we emphasize so much on tongues that we miss some of the deeper things that the Spirit of God is doing in those moments. 
And, and so one, one of the things that he does here is that the Spirit of God gives them uh, this incredible boldness, this incredible courage. These people who before would run away, now they're running towards the fight. Uh, these people who would not speak up, now they're the very ones speaking up in a powerful way. And I, I think that the Spirit of God gives them this, uh, this courage, and He also gives them a sense of compassion that He enables them to see and hear what they could not see and hear before. That something, something there's, a, there's a switch that gets flipped inside of them where it's almost as if now they see reality as it really is for the first time. I, I really think that's part of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does, is that God is moving and He's working and He's doing things all around us, and yet we're even saved sometimes. We're sort of slow in catching on to that. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills us with His power and fills us with His presence, and it's like a, a, a switch that gets flipped, and all of a sudden now we can see and we can hear and we begin to sense what is it that God is doing, and we begin to respond to that. And I think, I think that that's what's going on here is that God had encouraged and, and gave these men courage and empowered them to see, to hear, and to act differently. That they are never the same after that encounter with, with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Never the same. They see everything differently. And, and I, I wonder sometimes, I really think that our moments, as bad as it is, and as much as we could complain about the moment that we're in in the world, Man, I think the answer to most of our woes is a fresh outpouring and filling of the Holy Spirit. That we need, we need something that, that enables us to see and hear differently, that enables us to courageously sort of act, that enables us to have compassion with people. And, one, and so I want to focus in on this passage where Peter and John go to this temple. And I want to focus on sort of two things and bring out just two things this evening, and then we'll, we'll close. First of all, I think that the Spirit of God enabled these men to see with compassion. So they, they arrive at the temple here at three in the afternoon, and the text tells us that they see this man being carried in. He's in the process of being carried in and laid at the gate, a call beautiful. And the implications we get from the story, and we find out later on, is that he's being carried there so that he can beg for, for money. This is his way of making a living. And the text tells us on in, in Acts chapter 4 that this man wasn't just recently, he wasn't like a car accident or some sort of mule accident or he didn't get something dropped on his legs. Like this guy had been lame from birth. And we know that he's about 40 years or so of age. And so here's this man who's been lame for 40 years. So nobody can say, oh, you just kind of like you were faking and they healed you and you got up. Like there was none of that. They would have known who this man was. Or the community would have known him. And he was lame from birth. And Peter and John see this man being carried in. And here, here's my question. Like, this is not the first time Peter and John have been to the temple. They go there quite often on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, they're going there to keep their daily time of prayer in this passage. That was probably not the first time that this man was brought to the temple. He's 40 years of age. He's lame. He's probably brought there quite often, maybe on a daily basis. I'm not convinced that Peter and John had not passed him before. They had probably passed him dozens, maybe hundreds of times throughout their lifetime. What made this moment different? Why now? Why when they pass him at this moment? Why? The Holy Spirit had come upon them and had enabled them and empowered them to see with different eyes. 
and to hear differently. And now when they looked at this man, there was more going on. Well, that's just, the, you know, that's just the, the temple beggar who comes in here every day. We pass him all the time. They saw something different. They heard something different. They were in tune with what the Spirit of God was doing, and they were in tune with what, what, what was going on in this man's life. There was something different going on here. And I think for perhaps the first time, they saw this man with compassion. They saw this man the way that Jesus saw this man. They saw this man the way, that, the way that God saw this man, and they saw an opportunity for God to do something that perhaps they had missed before, or perhaps that God hadn't uh, been shown them before. But because of the Holy Spirit, they were able to see differently. And listen, we've got to learn to see differently. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us to see with compassion. This is so crucial. We walk by hurting people every single day. Amen. Man, every single day. And sometimes we can get so hurried and so busy that we don't see really what's going on in their lives. We just look at the surface. And we can all be guilty of it, right? I can be the worst sometimes. I'll admit, I'm a task-oriented person. I know where I'm going. I got a, like I'm a to-do list. I got check, check. Like I, it's a good day if I get through my list and I can check it all off. But sometimes in, in, that, in the midst of that, you can miss what the Holy Spirit's doing around you in the lives of people. And we have to learn to slow down and ask the, a fresh baptism of the Spirit, fresh eyes to see, fresh ears to hear what He's doing. It's like, a, to use another superhero analogy, but you probably remember Superman, and he's got x-ray vision, right? And he can, he can see beneath the surface. And I think that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to see beneath the surface. That there are people in your life, family members, co-workers, fellow students, people that you rub arms with every day that are hurting and broken and in need of a Savior, in need of the power of the Holy Spirit to work in their life. And we just kind of, we, we're not seeing beneath the surface. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do in the lives of your kids and the lives of your co-workers and the lives of your family members and how can we see beneath the surface and pray and ask God Lord help us discern what you're doing you see we often uh, compassion often means that I need to shut my mouth and I need to listen that's hard for us to swallow sometimes but I think it means two things one I, I need to shut my mouth and sometimes listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying and then two I need to shut my mouth and listen to what God might be speaking through other people if we do all the talking all the time, man, we miss what God is doing. And I think we need to shut our mouths sometime and listen. Man, what's, what's God saying? Again, to, to go back to what we said earlier, sometimes we are rushing and we, 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 we're looking for solutions to our problems and we think we've got to figure it out and we've got to figure it out now, now, now. And sometimes just being still and waiting on the Lord. One of the things, and I, I've, I've shared this before, but one of the things when I first started working with Pastor... Uh, Man, I would come into his office and say, okay, we got, we got this problem, let's fix it. And I would say, Let, let's go. And he would say, yeah, and? And I would go, okay, I'm going to tell you that again. All right, we got this problem, and we need to do this, something about it. And he would go, no, no, we don't. And I would okay, let me, let me spit that out one more time. I don't think you're getting me. And he would say, no, we'll just wait. And, and nine times out of ten, I'll have to say, if you, I, I've learned, you just wait. Man, God does a lot of stuff on your behalf and you don't have to deal with it or God gives you a direction or God helps in some way and it's that still waiting. And, and what are we missing? 
Like, what's the Holy Spirit want to do? And we're missing because we're so busy, like, trying to fix it ourselves. Or we've got so much coming in that we're, so many other voices coming in, and we've not quieted down enough to really wait on Him. Like, what are we missing? If Peter and John had been so focused on, man, it's the time to prayer. Let's get to prayer. They would have walked right by this guy and would have missed a miracle. And if you continue to read the story, this miracle was a, the, the launching pad for a, a sermon, which was the launching pad for people to get, come to salvation. So that they would have missed not just the healing of this man, but the evangelization of that entire, everyone there at the temple. That they're able to speak the gospel to these people because they were obedient in this one place. But if they'd have been so busy, let's get to prayer, we've got, we've got to make it there, then they were so focused on where they were going, they would have completely missed what God was doing. How many times do we miss what God's doing, even on the way to do things for God? How many times do we miss hurting people, even on the way to do something for God, or even with God? And what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to say? I, I think that the Holy Spirit wants to give us eyes and ears of compassion. Compassion means this, that I slow down and ask this question. We used to wear these little bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? WWJD. How many of you remember those from the 90s? Yeah, I had a few. Uh, yeah, that, if you don't know, that was based on this little book that was written called In His Steps. And the book, if, if I'm recalling correctly, was a kind of a, a work of fiction, but it was about this pastor who preaches a sermon in his congregation based out of uh, 1 Peter, and he says this, that what would happen if this year, he challenged his congregation, he said, what would happen if this year you followed in the footsteps of Jesus and you asked, you didn't make a single decision without asking yourself this question, what would Jesus do? And so the, the book goes on to tell the stories of how these congregation members start to live their lives that way. And again, I know it's cliche and it's old and it's from the 90s and it's uh, maybe a little bit corny, but it, the truth of the matter is that I think the truth still applies. That we need to ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? What is the Spirit saying? What does He want to do in this situation? Well, how, how does He want to work? And I think we will, if we will slow down and listen and, and pay attention... Man, the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful. So where do you need to slow down and listen? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Who are you seeing? Sometimes, you know, we see people, we don't see them as people to be loved. We see them as an opponent. Pastor pastor's, uh, reminded us of this when he reminds us to pray for the people we see on the news who maybe don't share our viewpoints or the people we see in the culture that maybe don't share our viewpoints. Why is he saying that to us? Because sometimes we can see people and instead of seeing someone that Jesus loves, we see someone who's uh, you know, on the right or on the left and they're, they're our opponent. And so when we see them in, that ter in, in terms of as, as an opponent, we look at them as for someone we have to defeat. Right? We, we've got to overcome them. And when we look through the eyes of Jesus, we don't see that. We see people who are broken and hurting and in need of a Savior. And man, it would, it would do us a world of good in this kind of charged atmosphere that we live in to slow down and to learn to pray for people and see them not as some opponent. Like, we got to learn to sort of separate those things out. They may view things differently than us, but that doesn't change the fact that they're created in God's image, that Jesus loves them, that, that He died for them, and that He wants you to reach them. So we, we've got to learn to say, listen, I might have different views than them, but I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to believe that God's going to work in their life. And I, I'm, I'm praying that the Spirit of God works in them. I'm praying that God draws them. God wants to reach them. Jesus died for them. They are a human being. They are not a problem to be solved. They are a person to be loved. And sometimes, man, we get so busy 
and so wrapped up in the culture that we forget that simple truth. And what if we just slowed down and allowed a fresh outpouring of the Spirit to work in our lives and empower us to see differently? To, to not see the way that everyone else sees, but to see deeper, to see what God's doing in their, in their lives. So not only must, must we be empowered to uh, have compassion and to see and hear with that compassion, but we also need to be empowered to speak and to act with courage. To speak and to act with courage. We go on in, in this passage in Acts chapter 3, and Peter responds to this man who's asking for alms. And Peter famously says, Silver and gold have I none, but here's what I've got. I give it to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. This man was expecting money. He was expecting a temporary fix for his permanent problem. He, he comes here every day and he gets a temporary fix. He goes home with the same problem he came with. He just gets enough to sort of keep going. And, and, and Peter and John offer him uh, a permanent fix to his problem. And, and the text tells us that the man fixed uh, Peter. Peter looks at the man. And then not only does he look at the man, he speaks to him and he reaches out his hand and he touches him. And that instantly this man is healed. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think that this speaking and this acting here, it took some courage. Have, have you ever been in the moment where you know God wants to do something and you, you sort of, you're, you want to do it and it's sort of there's this battle inside of you as they, well, should I, should I not, anybody but me? You have those. So it takes courage to, to move out and to act and to do what God's asked you to do, even though we all know God would want us to do it. That there are times when it takes, it takes courage to do the thing God wants us to do. And I, I don't understand uh, why that is. Maybe it is that God wants to build our faith and build our trust in Him. But I just know that there are times when God speaks and God says something, and sometimes you've got to work through it and you've got to have the courage to do it. And the, the, what they did took courage. Uh, the, but again, look at this. This was the same Peter who had denied Jesus. This is the same Peter who was always getting things wrong. This is the same Peter who, who is running away and not acting the way that he's supposed to. Now he's acting with courage. What made the difference? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Not only did it enable him to act with that compassion, but he speaks with courage. And we, we go on to read that this man is healed, and then who's standing up speaking? It's Peter. That this healing isn't, this healing's not just about the healing. That the healing is a sign to point people towards Jesus. And Peter, through the Holy Spirit, reads that moment and goes, man, all these people are coming around. We need to preach the gospel. And he begins to stand up and preach the gospel. And many people come to know Jesus because he is courageous. Notice what happens. When they see with compassion and then act courageously, God shows up. Let's say that again. When they see with compassion, when they begin to see with eyes uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, when they begin to see a little bit deeper than the surface, and they begin to discern what is the Holy Spirit doing in this moment, and they begin to see that way, then they begin to act upon that, God begins to show up. And He brings a healing to this man, but not only does He bring a healing to this man, He brings salvation. I think when we marry the two, when we marry that compassion with that courage, and we just begin to just do what God asks us to do, and we begin to see things differently because we're empowered by the Spirit, and that is the space where God shows up. When, when we begin to see with new eyes, and we begin to hear with new ears because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, 
man, the Holy Spirit begins to show up and we begin to step out and we begin to act upon what He's, what he's doing and what He's saying. I, again, I believe that our moment in time that we need this desperately, the world is looking for solutions to their problems. And we have the answer. We have the answer. We cannot offer a temporary solution. We must offer them hope, the hope that we have in Christ. We must see differently. We must hear differently. And then we must act with courage. And tonight, as we close, I want to share... This is one of my, my favorite stories. I may have shared it before, but I think it's a powerful, powerful story that I think illustrates what, what, what God's called us to do. There was this uh, triage center in tent in uh, World War uh, I where this, they would bring all of their wounded. And they would, in, in the triage, what they would do is they would tag people. So if you had like a, a green, it meant you were, you're going to live and you don't need a lot of medical attention. Uh, yellow, you needed, you needed medical attention and you needed it now and we could save your life with just a little bit. And then if you came in like with a red, like just forget about it and don't waste your time on them because they're going to die. And so this nurse is working in there and she's uh, going through these people and she's trying to help the people that she can help and she's not supposed to mess with the people with the red tag because they're just going to die and we don't want to prolong their suffering. Just make them comfortable and let them, let them do their thing. And so she's helping with the greens and the yellows as best she can. And this guy comes in and his name is, is Lou and he comes through and he's got a red tag on. And something about him just kind of draws the, the nurse to him. And so even though she's not supposed to, she kind of strikes up a conversation with him. And as she starts to talk to him, she knows she's supposed to kind of abandon him and let him kind of go the other direction and he's not supposed to get any help because this guy, he's gone and we just need to let him die. But she keeps having this conversation with him and this little two or three minute conversation turns into five or ten minutes. And the longer she sort of talks with him and the more she sort of gets to know him, the more she kind of knows inside like, I, can, I cannot let this guy die without at least trying to help him. And so even though she knows she could lose her job for it, and she could, uh, there would be consequences. She decides to do something about it. So she reaches up and she grabs his red tag and she rips it off and she replaces it with a yellow tag so that he can get the help that he needs so that he can live. And you know, we are, live in a culture that has sort of tagged at people. And there are all sorts of people that are tagged with, like, there's no hope for them. That situation's hopeless. Maybe you've got a situation that you've tagged as hopeless. Maybe there's a person, a family member, a coworker that's tagged as hopeless. And part of our job as Christians is to, empowered by the Spirit, to see differently, to see through all, through all the mess, to discern what the Spirit's doing, and then to courageously, one person at a time, to start changing tags. That is our mission. But what we need more than anything is the empowerment of the Spirit to do that. We cannot do that on our own. Notice what Jesus says. His his disciples, they get, he comes back and is raised from the dead and he's having a conversation with his disciples. And they come to him and they say, hey, hey, Jesus, are you you getting ready to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are are you going to do this thing? And Jesus says, listen, that's not for you to worry about, but you're going to receive power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be witnesses for me. And, and he goes on to tell them, 
that they're supposed to wait, which makes no sense. Like, we have the most important message in the world. Jesus is risen from the dead. You would think that we wouldn't want to delay that in any way. Let's go get that out. But Jesus knew this fact. They're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, you go wait, and you're going to receive power, and then you're going to be witnesses. And, and how many times do we try to do things on our own, in our own strength, to fall flat on our face? Listen, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot do this thing on our own. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, and He changes the way we see, and the way we hear, and He changes the way that we think, and He gives us the boldness to act with courage, and see people with compassion, Man, it's a sight what God will do. Yeah.